Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21-plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Shop Lowe's for great savings to help keep your lawn looking its best all season long. Now get Stay Green Weed and Feed Lawn Fertilizer at a new low price of 15 bucks. All projects have a starting point. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 4-4 while supplies last. couple of things that are on the plate in my mind as we uh, enter into the Thursday edition of Outkick the Coverage. I appreciate all of you waking up with us starting your day. I want to first say I thought yesterday's show, serious topic, went incredibly well. Thanks to all the callers. Thanks to everybody who downloaded the episode. Thanks to everybody who supported Outkick. I think... If you send them the three-hour tape from yesterday's show, there are few, if any, sports talk radio shows on either a local or a national level that will have had the level of discourse that we did yesterday. And it's just a credit to you guys for lifting up the baton or taking the baton and running with it at such a fast speed whenever we need to get into uh, serious uh, sports-related topics. Today... Not as many serious sports-related topics, although I do think a couple of things off the top are worthy of contemplation and discussion. One, the NFL, and if one of you guys wants to give me the official language the NFL has adopted uh, having to do with targeting, this is, to me, a major rule change that I don't think the average NFL fan who has not paid attention to college really understands what it's going to do to the league. Um, And what I mean by that is if you are a college football fan like I am, and I think just about everybody out there would say, yeah, you know what? Clay loves college football. On college football Saturdays, 
I sit down in front of my television at noon Eastern to watch games. And oftentimes I do not finish until 2 a.m. on Sunday morning. I will watch a lot of times 14 hours of college football on a fall Saturday. Literally every game from all the different leagues flipping around. I've got the ESPN uh, app on Apple TV on my television. I can watch four different games there. I can pull one up on my laptop. I can pull one up on my iPad. I can pull one up on my phone. There are times, sounds crazy, but I love to gamble. There are times when I'll have seven different college football games going simultaneously. One of the things that college football has tried to do is very similar to what the NFL just did. And they have implemented a targeting rule that's designed to limit the amount of injuries that people can have from from these serious concussion-related issues. And so as a result, the challenge has been one referees in real time recognizing when inappropriate hits happen. Now, it sounds like when you read a rule, okay, that's not so difficult to apply. You will be stunned how often this situation will be in play where you watch it in super slow-mo on replay and you're not even 100% sure whether or not we actually had any, uh, any targeting or not. And as a result, what has happened in college football is there is no rhyme or reason frequently to whether a guy is ejected from a game or whether he is not ejected from a game. And everybody who watches college football with me is sitting around right now nodding their heads. And I understand the need for the rule. I think it just puts a lot more onus on officiating. And the NFL, I think, has made a smart move in finally clarifying the catch rule so that it comports with what most of us would contemplate the catch rule looking like. But boy, this is a potential disaster, I think, for the NFL when it comes to trying to implement this rule successfully and also the impact that it could have on the game. There are so many college kids who have been kicked out of games and the NFL rosters, as small as they are, this is going to be, I think, a pretty seismic impact on the game. Uh, the uh, Here is the, uh, let me see here, the official rule won't be written or applied until May It's not a perfect mirror of college football, but they have been in touch with the NCAA and the hope is for high school, college, NFL coaches to be on the same page about lowering the helmet, using your helmet as a tackling device, as a way to uh, to basically make things uh, uh, make things safer in a sport that is not safe. And ultimately, all of this is cycling back around to the fact that the NFL had more acknowledged concussions last year than I believe any year before. I don't think that means that the NFL last year was more violent than it ever has been before. I think players are just more likely to acknowledge when they have concussions because there is an understanding with CTE and the seriousness of uh, of like head injuries. Players are more likely to acknowledge when they have them then just try to play through them. So this is a uh, this is a mess that I think is maybe necessary, but also incredibly difficult to apply. And again, it all spirals back to what I think is the biggest threat to football that exists today, which is parents out there. A lot of you right now, starting off your day listening to me, are going to think differently 
about whether or not your kids are allowed to play football than parents would have 20 years ago or certainly 40 years ago. And I'll tell you this right now. My middle son, my seven-year-old, plays flag football um, and loves it. Thinks it's the greatest sport that's ever been invented. Uh, He is in absolute love with it. He will play flag football in the fall. Stand on the sideline at a flag football game. If you go there, if you're doing it, I'd, I'd encourage you. you. Know it's good exercise. It's seven on seven. It's uh, it's a it's a good way to learn some basic football uh, precepts without worrying about significant injury. Um, and but stand on the sideline with some of the parents there and listen to the conversations that all of them are having. I know in my neighborhood, I know in my community, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee, which is a football crazy market. There are tons of moms and dads out there who are making decisions about whether or not their kids are going to play football, even for people like me who love football. And I think there are, this is what I've been saying for a long time, and nobody has picked up on it yet other than me. I'm the only person who's who's talked about it so far. I think the first place you're going to see football take a hit is at the quarterback position. Because if you look at the quarterback position, by and large, where do quarterbacks come from? Two-parent households, with kids that would go to college whether or not they had football as an outlet. You can't say that about a lot of sports. But if you look at where football quarterbacks come from, look in the NFL right now. Almost every football quarterback comes from NFL quarterback comes from a two-parent household. Got a lot of people out there, whether it's Cam Newton, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson... Everybody who is a high-level quarterback, just about every quarterback, period, because it's expensive to go around to the quarterback camps because it's uh, difficult to learn all of the mental components of the game because you got to have a big arm. You got to be, you know, all these different physical attributes are great, but you also have to have the ability to unlock them. And so, foot uh, quarterbacking, more so than any other sport, is you know, it's it's almost like its own universe. The quarterback camps, the, the drills, the, the the everything else that's associated with that. But all these guys would otherwise have been playing other sports and probably almost all of the guys who were good at quarterback in the NFL would have gone on to college somewhere, even if they hadn't been able to go to play a sport. I don't know if Tom Brady, Tom Brady's what, 41 years old now? I don't know if Tom Brady was 10 right now, whether Tom Brady would play football. Maybe Peyton and Eli Manning still would because their dad loved the game. But will Peyton Manning's son play football? I don't know. It's a good question. May not be any good, obviously. Will Eli's kids play football? They're married to women who are going to have a say in whether or not their sons get out on the football field. I think there are a lot of parents, just like boxing. How many people put their kids in a boxing training regimen and put them into the ring and let other kids hit them in the head now. 50 years ago, that would have been common. Now I bet you can't find a suburban mom in America who has her son in a boxing training regimen that leads to him being hit in the head. It's different than boxing training. Maybe some of you out there, my wife, for instance, loves to train as a boxer. She ain't getting hit in the head. She likes to get a good workout in. Uh, loves the discipline of boxing, all those things. A lot of people do that. There's not very many who would put their kids in the ring and let them get hit in the head. Why? Because we've seen what happened to Muhammad Ali. Because everybody understands that boxing 
and getting hit in the head is not helpful to your overall health for both the in the present day and then also in the future. The only people who box are people with no other real way out. That's their avenue to escape poverty. Maybe they're immigrants. Maybe they are just looking to fight their way literally out of poverty. But no middle-class people put their kids in a boxing ring and let them get hit in the head. Quarterbacks come from the middle and upper class. I think the biggest hit to football that's coming is as more and more players retire and age out and have CTE, I think there are going to be fewer and fewer parents who allow their kids to play sports, play football in particular. Now, I think ultimately the threat is not going to come on the offensive and defensive lines. It's not going to come at the cornerback position or at linebacker or at wide receiver or at running back. The threat to football is going to hit first at the quarterback position, and that's what they're trying to address with this targeting rule. The challenge here, the challenge in general, which is going to be difficult to reconcile for the NFL, is there aren't a good enough good quarterbacks now. Imagine if you suddenly took away the top 12 quarterbacks in the NFL going into this season. How unwatchable would this league be? There are only about 12 or 14 guys who are legitimate starting quarterbacks at a high level in the NFL now. Imagine if you suddenly decrease by a substantial amount the number of guys who are possible to play the quarterback position because they never enter into football because they decide to stay and play baseball. Because they decide to play, hell, I don't know, lacrosse. Because they decide to play soccer. Because they decide to play basketball. All of that talent never gets unlocked. I think that's a big threat. I think that's what the NFL is trying to do by implementing their own version of the targeting rule. I just think it's going to be a mess because you can't play football safely. That's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge that football faces is it's an inherently violent game And trying to make it safe is almost impossible. I think they're probably going to have to go back and make some major structural changes to this game at some point in time. When that's going to happen, I have no idea. But this targeting rule, I'm telling you, uh, is going to be a huge mess. If you watch college football, trying to implement it, doing it fairly, the impact of the ejections, all of these things are going to be massive for the sport in the NFL And if you watch college football, you know exactly what I am talking about. All right. We're also going to talk about Odell Beckham Jr. here in the next segment. Word is that that the Giants have said, you know what? We'll take two first rounders for him. Yeah, no doubt. I just drove to work in a Lincoln Navigator. If you want to pay me $100,000 for it right now, I'll give you my keys at this exact moment. Point pretty simple. If you want to drastically overpay everything I got for sale, every possession, Well, guess what? I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to get traded because I don't think any NFL team is going to give up a single first-round draft pick for him. My guy at the big lead, Jason McIntyre, actually went back and looked. How often have wide receivers that were traded for with a first-round draft pick actually panned out? The results 
may surprise you. All that and more. We got a loaded show as well. John Campbell coming with us in hour one. We bumped him yesterday. We'll talk about gambling on the final four and also maybe touch a little bit on Augusta coming up next weekend. What's the value there? In hour two, we will talk with our guy Alex Marvez about uh, all of the NFL uh, news and more. And then in hour three, we'll talk with our guy Jeff Shorts. He was traveling yesterday. He couldn't come on with us. All of that loaded show. Appreciate all of you spending your Thursday mornings with us. Up next, let's talk some ODB or Odell Beckham Jr., however you want to break it down. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Sir Mix-A-Lot bringing us back. Baby got back. Throwback Thursday. Some of you on the podcast, you're always tweeting me like, why can't we get the music on the podcast? It's a licensing issue. Got to listen live to get the old school songs on Throwback Thursday. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience as well. You think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks? You're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. In hour three, we'll talk with Jeff Schwartz about this uh, decision. He used to play for the New York Giants on Odell Beckham Jr. Reports out now that the Giants have said, yeah, we'll trade Odell Beckham Jr. for two first-round picks, which is, like I said, a bit like me saying, hey, my car's worth $40,000, but if you're willing to give me 100000 for it, you can have it, and I'll figure out how to get home from the studio here. Uh, without needing to uh, without needing to worry at all. And my guy Jason uh, McIntyre's site, The Big Lead, uh, he hosts a show on the weekend here, Fox Sports Radio, good guy, uh, broke down all of the uh, all of the first round picks that have uh, that have been traded for wide receivers in basically the last 40 years. And what's amazing is almost none of them have actually been effective. One, right now, we can kind of monitor. The New England Patriots gave up a late first-round pick, I believe it was, for Brandon Cooks. And that looks like it might, that looks like it might be somewhat effective. Um, but I do think that it matters where in the first round you're talking about giving up a pick. There's a big difference between somebody giving up a pick in the 25 to 32 range versus giving up a top five-round pick. But he went back through the last 40 years and I believe I am correct in this, almost none of these guys have ever actually won a Super Bowl if they were traded for. Now, the best probable, probably trade, that uh, best player that's probably been traded near the peak of his ability is Randy Moss. If you're looking at Odell Beckham Jr. and thinking, okay, what's the history here? Randy Moss was traded at the age of 28 from uh, the Minnesota Vikings to the Oakland Raiders. And the Raiders gave up the seventh overall pick. And remember, the Vikings then tried to draft Troy Williamson as his replacement, and that didn't work out very well. But Moss was really good that first year. He went for over 1,000 yards. But then he was totally uninterested in the Raiders. Remember, there was that great tape where basically Randy Moss was like, yeah, I'm not going to run across the, the, the dirt in the infield. <laughs> He was like, yeah, I'm not really going to run routes if they require me to run on the dirt uh, at, you know, when they would use this, the, the stadium for both the A's and the uh, the Raiders. And then he got traded to the Patriots, and obviously that's when the 18-0 season the Patriots had. They ended up losing to the New York Giants in the Super Bowl happened. 
But so Randy Moss wasn't even a success for the Oakland Raiders when they traded for him. Uh, Willie Galt back in 1988, first round pick, that might have made some sense. But you run through this entire list and what you readily see here is nobody has really panned out when it comes to giving up a first round pick um, in exchange for a wide receiver, no matter how talented. Now, I think that Odell Beckham Jr. is worth a, a, a pick in the 25 to 32 range. I'm not sure that the Giants would take that for Odell Beckham Jr., but to me, that's the only place where you could really get some value for him. Otherwise, anything more, I think, is crazy. And again, as we said earlier this week on the show, the challenge that you run into is as good of a wide receiver as Odell Beckham Jr. may be, there's almost no one out there in the modern NFL at the wide receiver position who makes his quarterback. Quarterbacks make wide receivers, not vice versa. If you put Odell Beckham Jr. with a crappy quarterback, he's DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, great when Deshaun Watson was healthy. You put him with Tom Savage, he ain't that helpful. So it doesn't really matter if you got great wide receivers unless you also have a good quarterback. Let's bring in the crew. Other big story out there. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but the New Orleans Saints also fired a cheerleader because they didn't like a picture that she put up on Instagram. And now I think that cheerleader's gone all over the place. I think she went on Megyn Kelly. Go figure. She's good looking. I'll tell you this. When my wife was a Tennessee Titans cheerleader, they had a handbook of what their behavior could be like. And that handbook was insanely detailed. There were all sorts of bars that Tennessee Titans cheerleaders were not allowed to go to. If they were out at a bar and a Titans player walked into the same bar, they were required under their contract to leave immediately. I mean, it's a pretty draconian list of restrictions that are in place with the NFL's cheerleading teams. And I think, frankly, a big part of it is NFL player wives. Everyone out there who's an NFL player wife is afraid about their husbands ending up with somebody else. And the teams are like, you know what? We don't want to create all this internal drama because we got 30 good-looking girls that are standing on the sideline. We want almost a total separation between our cheerleaders and our players. But this story is kind of blown up in a big way, in a funny way, too, uh, because I don't think most people were actually aware of it all existing. Let me bring in the crew. We're going to talk with John Campbell here in a little bit. We obviously hit on a bunch of different topics here off the, the jump. The targeting, Odell Beckham Jr., and now this uh, this cheerleader with the Saints who is going around and talking to everybody about being fired for an Instagram post, which is funny in and of itself because the Saints have a team uh, a team calendar where all the girls pose in bikinis. And it's not like this girl was posting pornography. She was just posting pictures on uh, Instagram that the Saints did not approve of. Um, let's bring in Jason Martin. Which of those three stories is the most interesting to you? The rule change is probably the most interesting to me because I don't think the Odell Beckham thing is going to happen. I could see one pick. I don't see two picks. Not right now, at least. The rule thing is really intriguing because until May, when the owners' meeting happens and the teams or and the teams and the owners sit down and figure out what this rule is going to look like, there's a lot of crazy speculation. Like, are quarterback sneaks going to be outlawed, or is every quarterback going to be ejected when they do that because they have to lower their head on those kind of plays? 
is it going to affect the offense as well as the defense? Is this going to ruin football? There's a lot of veterans that are coming out, a lot of people in the league that are saying this is going to absolutely destroy football. It's like setting off a bomb in the NFL. You're going to get the catch right, and then at the same time you're going to ruin something that potentially is going to affect even more players. So, I mean, I think that is a potentially huge story, but it's also also one that it would be helpful not to overreact to yet because we don't know how it's going to be applied. Um, it's dangerous because it has caused some serious issues in college football. We have all been on Twitter, and we've all fired out a couple of tweets like, that is not targeting. When we're watching our team, or we're even not watching our team, we're watching some team lose a key player in a key spot for a bang-bang questionable play, and it's always the same. What is the defender supposed to do in that situation uh, at real time? So I think that that's the most lasting story of the three, but they're all pretty intriguing. Um, what about you guys out in L.A.? I mean, I, I think that the challenge that football is facing in general is it's a violent sport that can't be played safely at at full speed, and any attempts to adjust that are going to fail, especially with the helmet being used as a weapon by so many guys. A part of me thinks that maybe the best way to save it, honestly, and this is a little bit radical, would be to eliminate helmets. To go back to, uh, I mean, look at rugby. Those guys beat the crap out of each other. It doesn't seem like they lead with their heads because they got no helmets there, so they're not going to use those as a weapon. I don't know whether that would work. I I don't know what the impact would be, but I I think in general, the challenge of trying to eliminate uh, violence from football is impossible. Are you guys with me in L.A.? Yeah, definitely. And and I'll take the other two since... uh, Jason was talking about the targeting. The Los Angeles Rams, Clay, they obviously have been in the news a lot with all their free, big free agent signings. And a lot of the rumors have been surrounding the Rams when it comes to Odell Beckham Jr. because there's rumblings that he's reached out to a couple of Rams players saying that he would love to join them here in L.A. Well, he's training in L.A. all right. the time. So he, a lot of these guys get out and run in the sand dunes and everything else. L.A., let's be honest, a good city to live in. The weather's perfect. I'm sure that he would not mind being in L.A. And it wouldn't shock me at all if he's told a lot of Rams players, hey, I'd love to play uh, in your city. And the Rams do have the 23rd pick in the first round. So that kind of coincides with what you were saying, where you feel like it would be worth it to give up a first-round pick for him. The question is, would the Rams then also give the Giants their first-round pick for the following season? Because, yeah, there's no way you give yeah, up two. But if, right? you, if you could get him for the 23rd pick, then I think the challenge would get into what's the Rams – I don't know the answer to this off the top of my head. What's the Rams' salary cap situation look like to be able to sign him to a big long-term extension, which is what he wants? Otherwise, he's not going to be happy on any team if they're not willing to pay him. And then you get into the debate about whether he's worth $20 million a year. Right. The Rams seem basically to be making the decision, look, we're trying to do what the Seattle Seahawks did, take advantage of the fact that our quarterback, Jared Goff, we believe in, and he doesn't cost us anything for the next couple of years relative to what his overall market value is because he's still under his rookie contract. Let's put a ton of talent around him and go for it right <laughs> now. That, to me, is what Sue represents. It's what Peters, it's what everything they've done in the offseason is all about. Obviously, they also traded Sammy Watkins. 
So uh, they've already made a decision about one young receiver they don't believe in. That would be a little bit intriguing. Let me right. go ahead and bring in my guy, Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. Uh, and then on the backside, let's talk with uh, John Campbell from uh, Odd Shark. But first, Eddie Garcia, what's shaking, my man? All right, Clay, let's start with some NBA games of note. The Cavaliers beat the Hornets 118-105. to Cleveland star LeBron James had 41 points. He tied Michael Jordan's record for consecutive games with 10 or more points. Now 866 and counting for LeBron. Sixers beat the Knicks 118-101. to Philadelphia star Joel Embiid was taken to the hospital for precautionary testing after a head-on-head collision with his teammate Markel Fultz. He's been diagnosed with a facial contusion, no concussion. Celtics over the Jazz 97-94, while the Clippers beat the Suns 111-99. So the Clippers are one game back of Utah for that final playoff spot in the West. And the Timberwolves get 56 points from Carl Anthony Towns. It's a new franchise record for points in a game for a Timberwolf as they beat the Hawks 126 to 114. This report's brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, more from the NFL, where former player and Packers president Mark Murphy, a member of the NFL Competition Committee, told reporters Wednesday that despite recent rule changes amid or aimed, I should say, at enhancing safety, injury data reveals that kickoffs remain an area of concern. Murphy said, quote, if you don't make changes to make it safer, we're going to do away with it. It's that serious. It's by far the most dangerous play in the game, end quote. They did away with the kickoff. I understand some people are like, oh, that would be stupid. I Just give them a ball at the 25 every time you start a new series after somebody scores a touchdown. It would probably, you could probably cut 20 minutes out of the overall game if you just did away with the stupid touchdown commercial, kickoff commercial the construct that so many of us have gotten used to and just bring back right at the 25 it'd be faster be more efficient i don't have a problem with that at all it's gotten to the point where you don't get that many kickoffs to begin with anyway and how often do you get kickoff returns for touchdowns in the nfl coming to you live from the geico outkick studios where it's easy to save 15 percent or more on car insurance with geico go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO the only hard part figuring out which way is easier do we have john campbell queued up and ready to go here coop is getting them right now uh, you said in the meantime that the Rams are bringing back male cheerleaders. Yeah, I mentioned two and one there with the Rams uh, with in, in contention for Odell Beckham Jr. possibly. And then you were talking about the New Orleans Saints with their cheerleader uh, you know, thing where she got fired. They, I will trade with them because in Los Angeles, the big news yesterday was that two male cheerleaders have been hired. Now, there have been men on squads for the Ravens and the Colts, but they just perform stunts with the female cheerleaders. The, the guys hired for the Rams are going to dance and be eye candy if that makes any sense to any of us. What are they going to wear? <laughs> I mean, that's, my, that's, my, first, that's my first thought when I hear yeah. that male cheerleaders are going to be eye candy. It's that what oh. are they going to actually wear? What are the Rams thinking with that move? Aren't the players kind of eye candy? Like the players that are in good shape and tight pants and stuff. Isn't that kind of eye candy for women already? If you want like sexual attraction during the football game, you think there are that many women? You know what? Let's go to break here in a second. We'll come back on the flip side with John Campbell. But do you think good? Maybe that should be our poll question for the day. Do you think there are that many? women like every man who goes to a football game he may lie to you he may be your boyfriend he may be your husband uh when the girls come out and dance the nfl cheerleaders come out and dance he is looking at the cheerleaders and thinking about which one he would most like to sleep with every single man in the stadium who is straight is doing that now 
There may be a lot of guys who say, no, no, I'm just watching to see how well they dance. I'm just watching to see how well they perform. No, no, no. Every man, I'm putting you on blast. I'm telling you, you might be driving into work right now with your wife. She's like, honey, you don't look at the cheerleaders and see whether or not which one you'd like. No, no. Clay Travis doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm telling you, every single man is watching the cheerleaders perform. They put them on the jumbotron and thinking, which one of these girls would I most like to have sex with? Every single one. Do women do that if men come out and skimpily dance? Does What percentage of women are like, oh, I'd like to have sex? Women are trying to be had sex with all the time. So they don't have to sit around and think, oh, uh, which one of these guys would I have sex with? Most of the time, the answer is you could just have sex with them if you wanted to. Right? If you're a good-looking woman, it's easy to have sex. You have sex anywhere you go. Getting hit on all day long. If you are a guy, you're sitting there, I'm telling you, I'm married in the NFL cheerleader, so I, I'm, I'm being straightforward as I can possibly be. The one I want to sleep with is the one I sleep with. But every guy, 32 girls come out and dance. They're looking at them trying to pick out the one they'd most like to have, uh, have sex with. I don't know if women do that. Uh, I don't know. They might do it for football players, but I don't think the average woman does that. Uh, we will go to John Campbell. I'll ask him which uh, NFL cheerleader he'd most like to have sex with. Up next, I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Listen close. If you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. John Campbell, he's with OddShark.com, hooking us up here with the latest in the world of gambling. John, what do you got for me in the final four here? Loyola of Chicago going up against Michigan and Michigan going up against, uh, sorry, and Villanova going up against Kansas on the other side of the uh, of the bracket. What bet do you like the most in the Final Four? Uh, I thought we were going to talk cheerleaders. That's what you said before yeah. the break here. Well, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, uh, are you comfortable saying that when all the cheerleaders come out, you're looking at them thinking about which one you'd most like to have sex with, or is your wife listening? <laughs> no, I think she knows the score there with, uh, with every guy on do- that one. And yeah, I, I, my favorite is the Pac-12. I think they have the best cheerleaders in uh, in sports. Oregon, so, so Oregon has incredible cheerleaders. The Song Girls at USC are tough to beat as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, this story, this Bailey uh, Bailey, whatever her last name is, with the New Orleans Saints being kicked off, is uh, obviously good. Works well on the internet. You put up a picture of a pretty girl, guys click. I mean, it's not like uh, yeah. it's not rocket science. Um, so uh, so what you got in the final four? Well, we have uh, a couple spreads that are really similar. Both uh, Villanova and Michigan are favored by five now, but the totals are where things get pretty different. And Michigan, Loyola, Chicago, that total is pretty low at 129.5. Well, Villanova and Kansas, one of the highest totals that we've seen in the tournament at 155. So that tells the story of how these games are going to go, but, but I think we're going to see a couple tight games here. John, one of the big stories, honestly, in the world of gambling is also likely to happen before we talk again, and that is the Supreme Court expected by many people to issue a ruling on whether the state of New Jersey can allow sports gambling, and if they can, that's going to immediately change the landscape of American sports, maybe to a degree we haven't seen since certainly, I would say, fantasy sports moved to the internet and became insanely popular do you expect to get a ruling from the supreme court on monday as to whether or not new jersey and it would be certainly interesting timing because monday will be the national championship game for college basketball yeah if i had to bet on it i'd say no it's already taken longer than than i think a lot of folks thought it would 
and that would be that would be weird timing uh, on the day of the national championship game. So, uh, so I think it'll take a little bit longer. It kind of seems like they're having a tough time with this decision, but uh, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. Um, you talk about uh, whether or not when you look at the NCAA tournament, it's been a low-scoring tournament overall. And that's been good for underbetters. Uh, why has it been lower scoring this year? And why has that kind of flown in the face? Last year, I think, was a good year for overbetters, if I'm not mistaken. What's happened this year in the NCAA tournament that you've seen that's made the scores be lower than they might have been in past years? Well, I, I think teams and officials have adjusted. We're seeing about seven fewer points per game in this year's tournament compared to last year's tournament. That, that's huge. That's a huge change from one year to the next with no real rule changes or anything, anything like that. And I just think the teams have adjusted to the 30-second shot clock, and I think the officials have adjusted to the 30-second shot clock. The network signed this big deal a couple years ago with the NCAA, this big TV deal, and, and they wanted higher scoring. And that's why they changed the rules a little bit, both with the fouls and with the 30-second shot clock. And what we see in sports is officials will try to call things really tight in the first year when, when the rules change. And that's what we saw. And I think that resulted in higher scoring last year almost 148 points per game. Now that, that, that they've got a couple of years under their belts, the teams and the officials have adjusted, and we're seeing things come back down a little bit. Futures odds in terms of the four teams that are in the Final Four, Loyola of Chicago, Michigan, uh, Villanova, and Kansas. How much money could you have made on, on Loyola of Chicago, which obviously is the biggest underdog by far? Yeah, this is absolutely crazy. Loyola Chicago was 300 to 1 as recently as March 15th. So if you took them right before the tournament, you could have gotten them at 300 to 1. That's, that's just absolutely insane. Michigan's not that far behind. If we go back to January, Michigan was 200 to 1 after having kind of a rough December and, and they were 30 to 1 right before the big tournament started, big, big 10 tournament started. So, there, there were some good odds on the board with, with a couple of these teams right before the tournament. Okay, today is opening day for Major League Baseball. Uh, for a lot of people, I think, who listen to this show, and certainly just in sports in general, a lot of us have not really paid attention to Major League Baseball since Game 7 happened between the Astros and the Dodgers. When we come into this season, are the Astros and the Dodgers still the favorites to be back in the mix for the World Series again? Which teams are out there in terms of futures odds that have made big moves and or are big favorites to be standing at the end of the season? Well, yeah, you're right. The Astros and Dodgers are the top two favorites. They're both between 4-1 to one and 5-1. to one. And then the Yankees, uh, plus 650 right behind here in a really popular bet. I might, I think they might be a little bit inflated here. Uh, no big signing in the offseason and, uh, they're always going to draw public money. But, uh, teams are pretty well jammed up after that. We've got the Indians, Cubs, and Nationals between seven and nine to one. And I think we start to see some value after that. The, the Red Sox are 12 to one and I think there's some value there, I, 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 we haven't seen a Red Sox team this good with, with odds that good as well. Uh, so, so I like the odds there, and then it goes with the cards twenty to one and beyond. I feel like most people out there listening to us right now feel pretty good about at least understanding, even if they're not regular gamblers, the lines when it comes to football and basketball. The point spreads; it's easy to follow. You can contemplate that pretty easily. 
but baseball is more challenging. How often do you bet baseball and how do you decide baseball? Is it entirely based on the pitcher? With so many games being played, how do you break down individual contests? I don't bet baseball quite as much as, as uh, the other major sports. Uh, and, and there's so many other options in the summer now. I love to bet other sports. But baseball is a sport with so many games. Sometimes I do like to get some action down on it. And, and, and I usually handicap it pretty quickly. So I have a bit of a system when I'm going to handicap, get some action down and handicap these games really quickly. And the first thing I look at is starting pitching. Uh, you're absolutely right. It's far and away the most important element in handicapping in any sport, period. So I, I look at the starting pitching. And then I think the most overlooked element in all of sports betting that uh, is umpiring. If pitching is the most important, I think most MLB bettors don't even look at, pit, at umpiring. But the umpire decides ultimately, subjectively, how the pitcher is going to pitch. So I always look at that next. And then I look at the weather. Uh, so uh, if the wind's blowing in or out, if it's a cold day, warm day. So those three things, I can usually get a pretty good play or decide to pass if, if there's nothing there. And it takes about five minutes. It's a quick system. Baseball kicks off today, but next week is the Masters, which for many people is the start of spring across the country. Tiger Woods, is the money still pouring in on him to win the Masters? Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, the Westgate reported uh, he's far and away uh, gotten the most tickets on futures. So uh, he's, he's the favorite, 9-1. to one. It's absolutely unbelievable. When, uh, when the odds opened, he was 100-1, and he's ranked 668th in the world. So this is absolutely crazy. And better still love him at 9-1. to one. The money's coming in. That is absolutely insane. John Campbell, we will talk to you next week. It'll be Masters Week. We'll have a NCAA tournament basketball champion, and baseball will have been a week off and running. Thanks, my man. Thanks, Clyde. Enjoy the Final Four. Uh, will do. That's John uh, John at John Campbell at Johnny Oddshark on Twitter. First hour pretty much in the books. Hour two, we're going to go talk to Alex Marvez. Hour three, we will talk with Jeff Schwartz. Maybe let's do some Animal Thunderdome. If you listen to the show, you know that we had Animal Thunderdome gate to uh, to start off the uh, the show uh, earlier this week. We have recaptured our audio, and I got a couple of ridiculous stories that I want to hit. Also. Do you guys pay attention to the revitalization of uh, of Roseanne? Some unbelievable stats out there about how well Roseanne did. My wife, we were out to dinner last night, and she said, we're down in Florida right now. The thing she missed most about being down for uh, vacation uh, here is that we didn't watch Roseanne. How big was that audience, and what does it mean about the larger American construct when it comes to nostalgia? We'll talk about all that and more next hour two. Outkick the coverage. I am Clay Travis, and this is uh, Fox Sports Radio. We'll also, like I said, talk to Alex Marvez, have him break down everything, and we'll talk to Jeff Schwartz in hour three. Thanks for hanging with us here on Outkick. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. We've all got a lot going on in our lives, but GoToMeeting is the online meeting platform trusted by 99% of all Fortune 500 companies, making it simple for you and your employees to meet with ease. To learn how your company can make the switch today, visit gotomeeting.com. Baseball's opening day. For those of you who are huge baseball fans, congratulations. I'll talk to you in 162 games. Um, a couple of things that I thought were really uh, interesting out there. Um, first of all, 
Did you see that Roseanne came back? And not only that Roseanne came back, but I saw this. I saw this data. Michael Mulvihill put this out. Uh, he's a he's a guru at Fox Sports. Just one of the smartest guys, if not the smartest guy in all of Fox Sports, at breaking down ratings data and explaining where audiences are coming from and everything else. This I thought was amazing. Uh, Roseanne debuted to 18.2 million total viewers um which and this is the most amazing thing about that the roseanne debut drew 10 percent more viewers than the series finale did 21 years ago and roseanne is an open trump supporter she uh, addressed it i haven't watched it yet but i used to watch the show obviously like a lot of you back in the day but I thought the most amazing thing about it was looking at where the audience came from. And Michael Mulvihill, again, he's at Mulvihill79 on Twitter. Awesome guy. Great follow if you're interested in ratings news at all. I think this is always kind of intriguing to look at. Uh, where were the top 10 markets for Roseanne? New York City and, uh, and L.A., were not even in the top 20 or the top 30 for Roseanne. In other words, people in those two big cities where most media executives live had absolutely no interest in this show, uh, much like people who lived in those two cities, by and large, did not vote for Donald Trump. Everybody was shocked when Donald Trump won. I think this is also instructive in the world of sports. Football's base. You may love football in New York City and L.A., and you may be listening to us right there. But football's base is the middle part of the country. And that, I think, is why the NFL, which is based in New York City and has uh, the, the NFL Network headquarters in L.A., has done such a bad job responding to the hit to their brand that the protests have created. That's because I don't think they understand really what their audience is. It's the middle part of the country. It's the Big Ten states. It's the SEC states. It is. There's the phone ringing here now. I am uh, in Florida. It's the Big 12 states. You know, you're in a big time studio when the phone starts ringing. You got no idea who it is. Should I answer that? Let me answer that. Hello, it's Clay Travis. How are you? You there? I don't know who it is. There you go. Oh, they wouldn't talk to me. I don't know who it was. Never know who's going to ring in. I had a chance to talk to 300 stations nationwide, all 50 states. All they had to do was say hello. I don't know what happened there. Football's base is all three of the big conferences. It's the ACC, the four of the big conferences. ACC, maybe, but it's primarily the Big 12, the SEC, and the Big 10. Guess where the Roseanne audience was? The heartland of football. Top 10 markets for Roseanne. Tulsa. Cincinnati. Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Chicago, which is uh, the only big, really big city that was uh, that was featured here, and that's because Roseanne is set outside of Chicago, so it's always done well in that area. Oklahoma City, Detroit, Buffalo, St. Louis, and Indianapolis. The so-called Rust Belt, the heartland of the country, loved Roseanne and watched it at an insane, insane rate. And I think that the, the the word is that Hollywood executives were blown away by the success of this show and that they're now talking about reboots for a lot of other shows. And they're talking even about bringing back Home Improvement now. And I'm sure there'll be all sorts of other shows that are brought back. But I wanted to ask Jason Martin, 
if you were an executive, all right, I'm making you a entertainment executive right now. What would be the best possible show to reboot to guarantee that there would be a huge audience for it? Hmm. I mean, that's a really, really good question. Roseanne, people don't realize what a force Roseanne actually was in television originally. Like the 18.1 that it did, I wasn't stunned by much of that number. It did much better, for example, than the Will and Grace reboot did last year on NBC. But Roseanne was a top three show for multiple years, many of the years that it was on air. And a lot of its cast have gone on to do big things, whether you're talking about Sarah Gilbert or obviously John Goodman has crushed it in films. Roseanne has always kind of been somebody that when you see, you at least stop to see what it is that she's up to. Sarah Chalk went on to do Scrubs and has had a lot of things going on. So Roseanne's been sort of an interesting case. And we've gotten far enough away from it that it had it was time for it to come back. People were ready to see if they wanted to bring that back, it was going to succeed. So, I mean, some people are going to say stuff like Friends. I think Friends would be impossible to redo because you can't find six people that could pull that off again because rebooting it, unless you're going to bring all the characters back, which maybe you could do with the original cast, then maybe you could pull that off. But you would probably have to go further back. You'd have to go to something like Cheers... Uh, which, of course, spawned its own very, very successful spinoff show. I would say something like Cheers, honestly, because anybody's going to watch a really good show if it's written well about a bunch of people hanging out in a bar talking about their lives. If it's I would, written well and it's funny, I think Cheers would be huge. He probably wouldn't do it. I would watch a reboot of The Fresh Prince. If they could get everybody who's still alive from The Fresh Prince, they could get Carlton together. If they could get, uh, you know, Will Smith obviously would be the challenge. Did the dad die? Mr. Banks yeah. die? Yeah, he passed away. And then you'd away. have to figure yeah, out. Away. Yeah, that's a, that's a big loss. You'd also have to figure out which of the Aunt Vivs you go with. Oh, uh, the, the first yeah. one, the original yeah. one. Yeah, the original one disappeared off the alive, face first of the planet. Secondly, do you go with both? Maybe you claim that, that, that Mr. Banks got divorced. And I love how they just well, switched hey, they the doing Vivs that on in Roseanne. the middle of that show. Uh, that, that to me, Roseanne. is one of the great sitcom stories. What's that? They're doing that on Roseanne right now. Uh, they've got both yeah, Becky's, have, Sarah Chalk yeah, playing a Becky's. different role and, and the original one there. But your, the larger point about nostalgia is very important. And I think it's important this week because tomorrow, I guess tonight around the country, I screened it a couple of days ago. My review will be out on your website, outkick.com, later on today. Ready Player One, which is Steven Spielberg's new sci-fi deal. The story of this film is very flimsy, and it's very predictable. Before the credits roll to open it, you're going to know how it's going to end. But it doesn't matter because it's so chock full of late 70s, 80s, and 90s nostalgia that you're going to lose your mind if you grew up during that time. There are so many references to Back to the Future and Batman and all of these different things that you lose yourself in this world and the story is completely secondary. This is If you thought Stranger Things has a lot of nostalgia, Ready Player One has like 15 times the level of nostalgia that Stranger Things did. And I think that those people that get down with nostalgia, I am certainly one of them, are going to adore that movie just for that alone. I would also watch a reboot of Saved by the Bell. And by the way, by reboot, I don't mean new show with new people in it playing like in a similar kind of context. Like I think they're talking about rebooting Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, 
but with a girl as the new Fresh Prince. And like, I understand that they did it with the Karate Kid movies, everything else. What I I think they're rebooting Karate Kid, by the way, on uh, YouTube. Is it YouTube that's going to do a new Karate Kid show with a grown up Johnny and a grown up Daniel LaRusso? I would watch uh, I would watch all of those shows, I think. And I think what it speaks to is the difficulty in cutting through all of our entertainment options and making us care at least you already have an investment with those characters. I think the other thing about Roseanne that to me is intriguing is I believe there are many people out there who also are recognizing that the middle class in this country is not on television that much anymore. It is a lot of like high-end New York and L.A. single people living in cities, like those kind of dramas, which I think are aspirational dramas for people who live in New York and L.A., But the vast majority of the people in the country live in some way like the Connors, right? They're middle class to lower middle class. They're fighting to try to keep their heads above water. And that story isn't told very often on television. uh, And those people don't see themselves reflected very often on television. So when they do, they come flooding back in to, uh, to watch it. I also think that's a really good show. I mean, John Goodman and Roseanne were incredible on that show. And to have them come back, I think there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of interest in it. And so I looked at that, and I thought it was intriguing thinking about reboots in the world of sports. Maybe we'll talk about this a little bit next week when there's not much going on before the Masters starts. Uh, But I wanted to hit on the success of Roseanne and whether it might be a lesson for Hollywood executives. But let's cue the music. I've also got some incredible Animal Thunderdomes. I don't know if you guys do. And this represents the return. I got an email yesterday from a guy who said, man, I absolutely love the show. He said, but I've got some feedback for you. He said, my six-year-old daughter listens to the show every morning when I'm driving her to first grade. And she has been saying that you are not doing enough Animal Thunderdome. So this, I don't have her name in front of me right now, but if your dad emailed me and you are a six-year-old good little girl right now in the car headed to school, this is for you. Let's cue the music, boys. It's Animal Thunderdome time. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a bullet constrictor stuck to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. There are a couple of stories here. This is borderline Animal Thunderdome, but is the Easter Bunny count in Animal Thunderdome? I think he should, or she should. I'm not sure of the sex of the Easter Bunny. I think most of the time the Easter Bunny is male. Woman, This is a true story uh, from uh, Mansfield, I believe, outside of Cleveland, Ohio. A woman has been arrested for making lewd comments to the Easter Bunny. A Mansfield woman, Mansfield, Ohio woman, was arrested Saturday afternoon after making lewd comments to an Easter Bunny at a carousel park in Mansfield. Police report they were called to the Richland Carousel Park after receiving a complaint that LaDonna Hewitt, 54, appeared to be intoxicated while having her picture taken with the Easter Bunny. She allegedly made lewd comments to the bunny and then began riding the carousel. 
Police say that Hewitt showed common signs of intoxication, including slurred speech, bloodshot eyes, an odor of alcohol on her breath, and unsteadiness. Hey, how about the fact that she was 54 and asked to get her picture taken with the Easter Bunny? I think that standing alone is probably worthy of being arrested. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I, I scoured the internet trying to figure out what lewd comments she could have made to the Easter Bunny. If you are listening right now and you know what lewd comments this woman made to the Easter Bunny, we need your story. 877-996-6369. Even the Easter Bunny, he ain't safe in this ongoing war between humans and animals. Uh, I saw this story and I immediately said, maybe it's time for me to move. I'm down in Florida right now for the week. It's my kid's spring break. And uh, we are down here, still doing the show. But I leave the state of Tennessee and news officially breaks that alligators, not from Florida, not the Florida Gators who have kicked Tennessee's ass for years, but actual alligators have now spread into the state of Tennessee. They are invading. They are moving north. This, to me, is an important moment in the animal versus human war. They have now moved from Georgia, from Alabama, from Mississippi, from South Carolina. They are now in advancing into Tennessee. What's next? Kentucky, maybe. Is Ohio with global warming on the alligator flow chart? Next thing you know, you may be getting eaten by an alligator in Wisconsin. I don't know what the future holds, but it's a scary, scary place. What have you boys got? I got one from the Himalayas, Clay. This happened last Friday. Sad story. A leopard came out of nowhere and pounced on a three-year-old child. Um, it, It dragged him into a heavily forested area in the region. The toddler was playing in the garden outside his house after dinner. His mom was only a few yards away where she was washing dishes. She heard a loud scream from her son. Then what she saw shocked her. A leopard dragging the toddler outside the compound. Uh, she sounded an alarm immediately and tried to rush out to help her son. But the animal, uh, the leopard, managed to take the child into the forest. Uh, as this story was written on Saturday, they still have not found the three-year-old. The locals uh, have become... Hold, hold, yeah, hold on it. a minute. Hold on a minute. Is this too sad of a story for the Animal Thunderdome? It's I'm, tough, man. It, it I mean, sucks, it, but I mean, it's I don't know. It's I, animals I just, taking I don't over. Know. I just gave a shout out to a six-year-old girl who <laughs> loves the Animal Thunderdome on her way to school. I don't think she wants to hear about a three-year-old getting dragged from his mom, wow, and they still haven't job, found him. Danny. Should Jeez. we ban Danny from the Animal Thunderdome oh, for a man. week for this? Is this too much? This. What like, do you mean, is it too bad of a story? I mean, that's what the whole thing... Compare of, that to the stories that I just oh, did. If this is strike number kill, two for Danny G. Yeah, oh, I don't know about this. If animals kill adults, that is fair game. If they kill three-year-olds while their mom watches, look, this what was, kind of sick look, bastard are you, Danny G? <laughs> look, this was written on Saturday. Can, can we research and hopefully the kid was found? It's your story. You should have done the research. Yeah, what are you talking okay. about, Danny? Well, I did look. There's no update so far. So so he's dead. It's been four days. <laughs> <Great>. Thanks. <laughs> Congratulations, kid. Leopards are going to kill you, and your mom's going to watch it all happen. Can't win with you. Turn his mic off. This is, this is I, I got to say. I control the microphones. Uh, well, that's a little bit of a glitch in the system here. Well, there is good news. Say, the, locals, right. the locals have started to put fences around the compound now 
That is not good news. Yes, it is because they've been there's been leopard sightings for months now, and so leopards can't kill multiple kids. I got a three year old. I'm sick to my stomach. Hold on, you're out of the equation. Oh man, you're being so Justin, dramatic right Justin, now. Justin, come up, come up on the mic, and Jason uh, Martin. Am I overreacting, or is this the worst animal Thunderdome story in the history of the show? It's definitely near the top of the list. Yeah, it, I it, can't even think of anything worse. I think it's only topped by the spider the size of a oh, Labrador. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Where's your story, Justin? You don't even have one ready. Oh, At least I don't true. have a fake one or a yeah, depressing well, one. Because you don't have any story. We don't even Jason have time Martin, for just, a story. Do you, can you save us? I've got a couple here. Do you have a happy one, one Jason? I don't know that it's happy, but this, there are a couple of kind of funny ones. One that happened in India. There's a video of this. We will tweet it out. There were Indians that were, or Indian natives rather, not Native Americans. There were Indian natives that were caught People on camera. People from India, you Correct. racist. Whatever. Rescuing. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on here. This has been a disaster of a segment. Racist. All right, what do you Whatever. got? Whatever. All right, so they were called there on were camera people trying who to live rescue. In India. This is not complicated for you to have to do it. There's a huge continent, of basically, of people, a subcontinent, and they are called Indians, and they live there. Continue. There are a billion of them. They're great people. Are you, are, you, are you finished? I'm sorry. I had to apologize to India because you couldn't manage to actually introduce anyway. the fact that this huge country exists. Whatever. A caught-on-camera rescue of an elephant calf. This calf fell into a trench near this Indian city. And so all of these rescuers pulled this elephant calf out of this trench. And what happened when they got the elephant successfully out of the trench? Well, the pachyderm was confused. So what did it do? It charged its saviors. On Monday, there's a video of this. The calf just takes off on a full sprint after all the people that just saved its life. They pulled the baby elephant out of a five-foot-deep trench, which had been created for a planned oil pipeline. The young elephant was not injured, totally confused after it got out of the ditch, got pissed, and then charged at its rescuers. Officials had to put a cloth over the elephant's eyes to help calm it down. It was taken to a rescue center afterwards. So that's what you get for trying to rescue an animal in the Animal Thunderdome, is you die. The other thing you get... Canadian photographer stopping on a logging road because it saw something a little bit strange. A female lynx was fighting off a male lynx at the top of a tree. This is near Grand Prairie in Alberta, which we all know where Alberta is. That's right. That's where our dinosaur expert is. Exactly. So he sees these two lynxes just brawling about 100 feet up a tree, and he doesn't understand what's happening. And then he realizes it's the female trying to fight off a mating attempt. So this male lynx is trying to have sex with the female, and the female is hashtag me too, and is not having it, and is speaking her truth at the top of this actual deal. So nothing actually happens to humans here, but another kind of crazy story that doesn't involve a three-year-old child potentially being eaten by a leopard in the Himalayas. I got to say, really questionable decision-making across the board in the Animal Thunderdome today. I'm glad that we're going right now to Alex Marvez because you're trying to interject Me Too into a Lynx fighting. Danny G comes in with a report of a three-year-old getting killed by a leopard. (sighs) It's a sad day. 
Anyway, Alex Marvez is up next. Sometimes I question how I work with the people that I do. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Tons of responses rolling in on Twitter to Danny G's three-year-old getting stolen by a leopard story. By the way, wouldn't that be a major story to follow? Wouldn't you think there'd be tons of updates? Like if a leopard just dragged a kid off into the woods? One of you has to be able to find an update here. Uh, I know it's still dark on the West Coast, but damn, bro. WTF, three-year-olds getting dragged and eaten by a leopard? I can't get the visual out of my head now. You've ruined my day. Best animal Thunderdome ever from that sicko Andrew James Vincent. Uh, (laughs) I feel worse after listening to the animal Thunderdome, says Coach Blair Red. Best animal Thunderdome so far. Uh, kids need to know everything in the world wants to kill them. DBAP says Clinton. Ban Danny G for a week. Uh, way to ruin my day, Danny G, says Tyler. I'm going to go home and hug my three-year-old. Ban Danny, says Gordo. Uh, all these reactions rolling in to Danny G with the worst story in the history of the Animal Thunderdome. Uh, we are here live, and we want you to know that car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident uh, car buying experience. We also have a controversy arising. Uh, Jason Martin doing research right now, unable to find any evidence that Danny G's Animal Thunderdome story actually is real. Which is unbelievable, considering oh, just in the last I didn't 10 able days. To find it either. Are you, you kidding? Are you Look, kidding me? I'm googling. Danny, Google, I'm googling him. Himala- wait, wait. No, listen to this. I have googled oh, my Himalayan leopard, three year old. It's not a Himalayan. Himalayan three year old. I can't find any Google thing in Himalayan three year old. I can't Google find anything in Himalayan three year old. Stop taken it. Taken by a leopard. Leopard attacks three year old. There's nothing. Leopard attacks three-year-old. Put that in your Google right now, and the story pops right up. All right. Let's allow, allow Jason Martin to do that. Story from 2017. Three-year-old survives mm, leopard attack. I see no. three kids killed in leopard attacks back oh. in January in New Delhi. That was a 14-year-old and some others. There is no... Okay, wait a second. All right. All right. Well, this was 2017. Yeah, boy three pounced on by leopard after he found giant cat sleeping. Danny's this was back in November of 2017. <laughs> Stop it. A listener it's a year sent old that to story? me. It's right. no, and he's fine? That's not the story. That is not the story. Tweet your story right oh now. Yes, I need the be story. Hell to pay. I, First of I, all, <laughs> Danny G reported that a spider was the same size as a Labrador retriever. This is oh, you with, guys are with, the, the Animal Thunderdome this cannot story, become you, fake this news. This story is from May 24th, 2018 from Z News. May, May 24th hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, March, March, relax, March 24th. Mar- it says M A R twenty four twenty. What's the website, Clay? Or what's the website, Danny? Znews.india.com. <laughs> That's a, well, the that most trusted like source. Tr- <laughs> <laughs> All okay, right, we're going to research I, I, this. I, I, In the meantime, wait a second. You guys can debats all you want, but it's a real story. Wait, I just went to znews.india.com and got a 404 page not found. The page you were looking for does not exist, is a myth, or has evolved to a higher plane of existence. (laughs) Error message. Stop it. You need to tweet the link to your story right damn now. (laughs) And in the meantime, Eddie Garcia. Eddie, uh, come on in with us here into this uh, cavalcade of absurdity. Whose side are you on, Eddie? I'm not sure I can... I'm not sure. I can Are you on Danny's side or ours? No, I mean, come on. Danny's already, uh, you know, been. 
proven to be unreliable with his spider story, so I'm not believing anything he has to yeah, say Yeah, but right this now. is a big leopard, though. Maybe we need Danny to just now be in charge of, we just say true or false when Danny gives a story. <laughs> like, we don't even, like, like, nobody even believes him at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely uh, advocating tweeting out the link to this story. I think we all need to see it. We all, we need, all need to see this. Have. Yes. Uh, last night in the NBA, we had the Cavaliers beating the Hornets 118-105. to LeBron James, 41 points for Cleveland. Also tied Michael Jordan's all-time record for consecutive games with 10 or more points. It's now at 866 and counting for LeBron James. Sixers over the Knicks, 118-101. to Joel Embiid taken to the hospital. The Philadelphia star had a head-to-head collision with his teammate Markel Fultz. But uh, apparently it's a facial contusion, no concussion for Joel Embiid. Celtics over the Jazz, 97-94. Clippers beat the Suns, 111-99. So L.A. is one game back of Utah for the final playoff spot in the West. In the NFL, the New York Giants reportedly are seeking two first-round picks in exchange for star wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. And in baseball, Kansas City Royals catcher Salvador Perez will miss four to six weeks with a torn MCL in his knee. He suffered the injury when he took a misstep while carrying his luggage. And now, Clay, it is time for our Geico play of the day. Towns will turn, fire the jumper on the way. He hits, and it's a three. It's a franchise record, 54 for Carl Anthony Towns. WCCO Timberwolves Radio Network. Again, Carl Anthony Towns, 56 points in the Timberwolves. 126, 114, one over the Hawks, and a new franchise record for points in a game for the Timberwolves. That was our Geico play of the day. Uh, that is good stuff. Do we have uh, my guy, Alex Marvez, ready to go? Uh, Alex Marvez with us now. Uh, we'll give you an update in the final segment of the show on the uh, on the leopard. Uh, Alex Marvez, you have kids. Uh, I know you know occasionally that we do the Animal Thunderdome. Is a kid being dragged away at the age of three while his mom watches worthy of the Animal Thunderdome? Yeah, I would. I would say that that's that's there. Did the dingo eat anyone's baby? Too dark. It's too dark. Uh, We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. You just save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. Only hard part, figuring out which way is easier as well. Think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks. You're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. Danny G hit everybody with listening to the show with the train. Not going to be able to recover from that today. Okay, first question for you. Does Johnny Manziel end up on an NFL roster by the time training camps are here? I would think so, probably, unless he absolutely lays an egg in the spring league coming up in, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks up in Austin, Texans. He'll get two games. I think at some point a quarterback needy team after the draft will say, you know what, let's take a flyer on the guy, see how he works through the offseason program, and go from there. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, you cut him. I mean, it depends, too, what his agent's looking for. He wouldn't sign up in Canada, you know, because of the, the fact that they would hold his contractual rights for two seasons and also what the salary was being offered. You know, they, he wanted what was a comparable CFL salary for a starter, which I think was 500000 Canadian dollars, which, Clay, as you know, translates to about $78.32 in U.S. currency. <laughs> and they were unable to, to strike an agreement with that as well. So, you know, what you're looking at with Manziel is, you know, is he going to sign for a minimum? You know, is that what they're looking for? Will that be an opportunity that he's willing to accept as he, quote, humbles himself? And, you know, it's got to be a team, too, that's prepared to deal with all of the outside baggage of having this guy around. Oh, yeah, and you have to just hope he doesn't relapse again. And, by the way, if he is truly has bipolar disorder, which seemed to be the you know claim that Johnny Manziel was using to explain away a lot of his behavior, is there going to be ongoing psychological treatment for that? Or are you going to need to have someone on staff to be able to work with him to develop a program so that if he gets back into an NFL setting, that you're going to have safeguards in place to help prevent him from going off the rails again? I mean, it's not just signing a quarterback. And, and even, look, we could talk Colin Kaepernick and those 
comparisons and all that. But but Collins' issues weren't of a substance abuse type situation. I mean, and when it comes to Manziel, you're signing a guy who himself admitted was a hardcore drug user, has been sober now for 90 days, you know, is what he recently told Bruce Feldman. 90 days! Think about all the time that, that Johnny Manziel was talking about all of the comeback stuff that was going on for him and how he was truly committed to making it back in the league, and the guy couldn't stop drinking until three months ago. I mean, you know, listen, it, it's a great story for us to talk about in the media because, you know, he's become this, you know, he was such a great college football player, and it's just very convenient for everyone to forget that the minute he was drafted by the Cleveland Browns in 2014, Johnny Football became Johnny Nobody in this league because he couldn't play. Yeah, he didn't play very much either, uh, and I think that's the the crazy thing about Johnny Manziel's uh, career. If you go look at the number of games that he started, what has he started in his career? Eight games? I mean, I, I don't think it would be much more than that, so... Uh, it's definitely what I had heard. And look, I interviewed him last year in August um, and uh, at the Sportsbook Review uh, event down in Costa Rica. And uh, he had broke. He had not talked for a long time prior to uh, to that discussion. And at that point in time, I mean, he looked like he was in pretty good shape uh, and he was trying to make a, a comeback. I'm rooting for him. And what I've always heard is uh, now the Patriots seem to be interested, although sometimes it seems Bill Belichick is just willing to meet with guys because it increases the overall interest that they might have, other teams might have in them once they're connected to Bill Belichick. The team that I've heard a lot about is the Saints, that Sean Payton likes him. Obviously, Drew Brees is an undersized quarterback approaching 40 years old that maybe there's hope that he could, uh, with the right schooling and tutelage, end up as a takeover guy there. Is that two of the teams you're hearing about? What teams do you think might be interested? Well, Seattle has an opening at quarterback, right? I mean, now that, that Trayvon Boykin is, uh, you know, finally gone after another off-field incident, they got nothing there. You know, they got an undersized quarterback in Russell Wilson, right? I mean, would Seattle be willing to take the plunge on, on you know, and again, a no-frills type of contract potentially as they continue to restructure their team? I mean, they would seem viable in that regard. Listen, there are teams, too, that are putting in the RPOs, the run-pass options that, you know, as, they, as the NFL begins to incorporate more and more of the college game where the size might not be as much of a hindrance for Johnny Manziel. But what, what are we in here for, for Johnny Manziel? I mean, what, what is it that he's going to provide – your team. He's not a long-term answer for you at starter, do you think, right, Clay? He doesn't have any real backup, you know, or real experience playing as a backup in the NFL. Where's he going to get snaps to develop? Uh, you know I what I mean? Like, I think it's that he's only 25 and that you hope if he got in the right system that maybe he could be a long-range backup for you and then come in and maybe by the time he's 27 or 28 – be, I remember Doug Flutie played until he was 40, and he didn't get any chances in the NFL because he was so small, and then eventually he came in and people said, oh, he can make plays. I think that would be the hope, that maybe he would be a Russell Wilson-type guy if he really buckled down and focused on football. I don't know whether he's capable of doing that. Right. Obviously, his his addiction issues and his, uh, and his mental health issues are paramount in terms of that, but I do think it's an intriguing question. All right, let's go to Odell Beckham Jr. The NFL has turned into the NBA. Uh, lots of drama in the offseason. Do you think Odell Beckham Jr. will play for the Giants in 2018? You know, I, I think he's gone. I, I really do. I think at some point, if someone – see, the, the tricky part is it's not just the trade parameters, okay, because the Giants don't want to give him away for nothing. But it's also, okay, what are you going to do as far as the contract goes? Is it, for example, you know, look, we haven't heard Marcus, Marcus Peters complain about his contract since going to the Rams, right? I mean, and the Rams whisper sweet nothings to players, okay? Uh, you know, I talked to Les Snead, their GM. He tells me how they, they're telling Aaron Donald – Hey, we're going to have a chance to add in Donick and Sue, but he's going to get paid before you. Are you okay with that? 
type of thing, okay? If Odell's looking for a massive contract no matter where he is before he steps on a football field again, if you're a team and you're not prepared to strike a deal with his agent and give him those things, okay, well, then it's awfully tough to swing a trade. It's not like the Browns when they got Jarvis Landry and hadn't worked out a long-term deal. That's a fourth and a sixth-round pick that they may be out of if Jarvis Landry is a one-year rental. It's not a great trade then if you got him for just one year, but again, you know, they're, they're going and proceeding in that regard. It's quite a different thing when you're talking about a first-round pick. There's no way they're getting two first-round picks for Odell Beckham Jr. That is, that's quarterback crazy type, you know, you know, uh, currency, so to speak, when it comes to trade fodder. Uh, in this case, what you're going to get is probably a first, maybe a third type Percy Harvin type deal for Odell Beckham Jr. But again, you know, you're talking about a guy who's done nothing also put himself in a good position with his off-field antics as well. I think the Giants are want to send a message here to Odell Beckham Jr. that nobody on their team is inexpendable, so to speak. They're able to move on from people. You know, there's no sacred cows. So he needs to, you know, that it's sort of, if you want to be here, that's fine. But I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. necessarily wants to be with the Giants. And maybe it is best for all involved for him to go. The big question now is how much can the Giants leverage getting something for him? And that's why you hear all these whispers about, oh, two first-round picks and this and that. You call us, see what you want, because the Giants don't want to come across as being desperate to move on from Odell Beckham Jr. Is the targeting rule that's changing, the NFL seems to be getting the catch rule right, is the targeting rule changing a potential disaster in your mind? You watch college football. You know how messy this has been. If NFL fans haven't watched college football, this is potentially a real mess that also further complicates the NFL, right? Well, this is the whole thing, Clay. We don't even know what the language is on this. Look, Roger Goodell has enough juice there that he can ramrod rule changes, right? He said, I want the catch rule changed. It changes. I want overtime changed. It changes. I want extra points changed. It changes. Now, amid future litigation worries, things like this, young people who say, hey, my brain, I'm not going to let it get scrambled. Why am I going to play football? You know, and it's not just, by the way, those who participate in football. It's also, you know, look, young fans, why do I want to watch this sport? You know, when I realize that it's dangerous for, for people, all those types of things that come with it. So they continue to play the PR battle and they continue to change the way that the game is played in that regard. Now, no, you know, when you pass a rule that hasn't even been defined, what does that tell you, Clay? You know, do teams even know what they were voting for? They're like, okay, you can't lead with your helmet. What does that even mean? Our quarterback sneaks out? You know, I'm what, you know and Rich McKay told me this, the head of the competition committee. If a, if a receiver catches a ball and he's, he's diving toward the end zone and he is, you know, leading with his helmet, diving toward the end zone, and he makes contact with a defensive player before the goal line, guess what? That's a foul. Think about that. I mean, if, if they're going to enforce that type of play, we're, football has changed forever. It, it will never be even close to what it once was. That's why we're all just sort of sitting here like, what, what does this mean? Are you going to be tough on it in, in the preseason like they do with some rules changes and say, hey, there's a point of emphasis for us, and then not call it during the regular season? We've seen that before. How far are they willing to go with this rule? I understand wanting to take the head out of the game, but at some point, when does football not become football? Amen, indeed. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, Alex Marvez. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy your Thunderdome. See you later. Yeah, the Animal Thunderdome. Up next, an update on the Leopard story, really. This is Outkick, the coverage. Great news. It wasn't from the Animal Thunderdome today, by the way. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. As well, if you think a train will stop, if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop, trains can't. Controversy once more erupting surrounding the Animal Thunderdome. Earlier in today's show, beginning of hour two, Danny G comes in with an outkick story for the Animal Thunderdome.
about what he reports to be a three-year-old who was snatched away and is missing by a leopard. Immediate uproar on social media and beyond over whether or not this was a good Animal Thunderdome story or not. I've got a poll question up. Was Danny G Radio's outkick story on Animal Thunderdome today about a three-year-old being killed by a leopard too sad and dark for the Animal Thunderdome? Hundreds of you immediately vote. I just put this poll question up a couple of minutes ago. Early read, 67% of you are saying yes. Too dark, too ugly, too disgusting, too unfortunate, too sad of a story to start off the morning with. Cue the music, boys, because we've got an update, and it's not going to make anybody's life better. Oh, you want the music again? I think so. All right. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I have a bullet constrictor stuck to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. We have an update. Jason Martin, take us away. Okay, I'm not going to ding Danny for this because the original story at Z News did report that it was a three-year-old. It was actually a five-year-old boy that was taken away allegedly by a leopard on Friday evening. The body was found in forests the next day on Saturday. The body of Karan, the son of Deepak Ram and Hari Nagar near Garud, was recovered 500 meters away from his home. Karan had gone out of his home to use the restroom when he was carried away by a suspected leopard. Divisional forest officers in the area confirmed presence of eight leopards in a 10-kilometer area from where the incident took place. Leopards were competing for foods. This district is home to around 175 leopards. Seven people have been killed by leopards in the area in the past four years. So he unfortunately... This five-year-old is indeed dead. Not three-year-old, but five-year-old that just wanted to use the restroom and ran into a leopard that carried him off into the forest and killed him. I mean, what just an absolute buzzkill. Bagoshawar District in India. Clay, This when, poor kid when, when goes did, outside to pee. When did the animal old. Thunderdome have to have happy endings? We, we've never, it, we don't have many happy endings with these stories. It has to be an adult victim. I don't think five-year-olds Since when? Getting... Since you found out you have one six-year-old listener? No, no, because you can't have a kid die in a movie without it being the worst movie of all time. Kids live forever. Kids who are driving into school right now, you're never going to die. You're all going to live forever. <laughs> oh, man. And this you is, this just is, This is that. not like you, Clay. Do you, I, I'm a softie when it comes to kids. I'm telling you. What, what, let's let's the verdict out here. The vote. I mean, I, I think I have a pretty good pulse on what the American public thinks, and the vast majority well, of people are agreeing with. There me. must be a lot of sickos on my timeline the, then, because there's a lot of tweets saying that you need to toughen up because in Animal Thunderdome, not all the stories end happily, and it's also kind of like a public service. Now, the kids listening will be on the lookout for leopards. What do we think? What's the vote? I, I didn't st- need I, to hear about a leopard eating a kid this morning. <laughs> that's that's my that's take well on said. it. I think that's well said. What about you, Justin? Ban him. <laughs> okay, now, if this wasn't an Animal Thunderdome-type story, 
Why did an OutKick listener send it to us? People send all sorts of stuff yeah, to but, us. People uh, are morbid. Have you seen to get who on Twitter? You know Have you this. seen Twitter? This is an Animal Thunderdome <laughs> story, and you know it. Open phones. 877-996-6369. Should kids getting killed by animals be fair game? Next on OutKick. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. As well, we all have a lot going on in our lives, but GoToMeeting is the online meeting platform trusted by 99% of all Fortune 500 companies. It's making it simple for you and your employees to meet with ease. To learn how your company can make the switch today, visit gotomeeting.com. Controversy erupting. Top of hour two, Danny G., bringing us the story of what he said was a three-year-old in the story. Later, it turns out to be a five-year-old that killed and attacked by a leopard in India. Justin Vance uh, reaches out, says, I'm the listener who sent the story to Danny G. It's a great Animal Thunderdome story of a leopard dunking on a child. J. Martin and, uh, and Justin need to grow a pair or go work at ESPN Radio. Now, I'm also on their side. I think it's a bit much. Uh, lots of responses rolling in. We're going to go to your calls here momentarily. Clay, did you it's see? It's Animal Thunderdome, not Animal Petting Zoo. Did you? Where see? else am I going to hear about? Uh, I'm reading these tweets as they roll in uh, about leopards eating five year olds. Debap. I'm getting debapped a lot. Uh, change the name of the segment to Animals Attack Adults, but they're going to be Okay Dome. Hashtag Nancy says says Chris. One of the best uh, tweets right here is from Stu. He says, "Hey Clay." As a parent, hearing Danny G tell his animal Thunderdome, I was thinking aloud, that sick SOB. But internally, I was thinking, I wonder if there are Panthers in Virginia that would take my kids away for a couple of days. <laughs> oh, tell Clay to grow a set of balls to go with his, uh, don't take a crap. The Thunderdome is about survival, not feel-good stories. Perhaps Clay wants nice stories about kittens and puppies. I'm getting lit up here. I'm changing my opinion based on all of these comments. The tweets are good, and the phone calls are even better. Uh, all right, we're going to go to the calls. Uh, the poll question is up, and the poll question, people are actually agreeing with me. Was Danny G's outkick story on Animal Thunderdome today about a three-year-old being killed by a leopard? Actually, it was a five-year-old. Too sad and dark for the Animal Thunderdome. You can find that on Twitter, at Clay Travis. Thousands of you weighing in in real time here, and uh, 61% of you agree with me on Twitter that it was too dark. I'm told the callers disagree and are going to light me up, so let's go to them. James in Pennsylvania, what you got? Hi, Clay. Listen, classic kill the messenger. Don't blame Danny G. If you're going to live with and semi-worship leopards, build indoor plumbing. (laughs) So you're taking on the country. And it's poor people there. The poor kid. Hey, I pee outside all the time. I pee out. Yeah. Well, not really, because I pee outside all the time. Am I the only person who pees outside? I think there's very few things better. No, like I used when I lived in my house. You and Albert Bell. Not so much now, (laughs) because I live in a in an area where homes are closer. But I think there's very few things better than coming home. Nice evening, nice uh, nice starry night. Just unzip the pants and pee outside. Take your time peeing outside. I, I, I do house. that regularly. Huh? Just at your house. You just roll on your deck and just pee out off your deck or something oh, like yeah. that? Yeah. Not okay. off yeah, the that's deck. Weird. I mean, I walk into the backyard. I mean, I, I think there are yeah, very few things. I don't think it's weird. I think there's lots of men out there listening to me right now 
who enjoy a nice outdoor pee every now and then. Just like pulled the pants down, you know, it's dark outside, you're looking up at the stars. <laughs> so you told you, know your, you told your potential the- babysitter you were going to walk around in your underwear and you pee out on your balcony. And then you no, pull I your said, pants down before you do it? Hold on. I will explain. Did Stormy early. Daniels swatch you after you did that? No. I will tell you this right now. So first of all, when we hired the nanny at our house, my wife had all these questions about like her child-rearing philosophy and everything else. My only question was, look, when I walk into the house... I take my pants off. I don't, I mean, I wear underwear, but I don't think you should ever wear, if you're a man, I don't think a man should ever have to wear pants in his house. If I wear long pants outside, literally the moment, I'm not even kidding about this, literally the moment I walk inside, I drop my pants and I walk around in my underwear indoors. I mean, period. I don't know why, if you don't have to wear People do that when they're by themselves. No, I Murray do it with the Goldberg whole family. Does it. I mean, I, yeah, I, I do it with the whole family around. Like, I don't see what the big deal is. Why would you, if you don't have to wear pants, why would you wear pants? That's a, a life lesson of mine. I, and by the way, I don't like pants in general. I'm a shorts guy. So, like, I'm down in Florida right now. It's going to be 75 or 80 degrees today. I'm doing the show in shorts. If, uh, if I were doing this show from my home, probably be in my underwear. All right? That's the truth. Now, here's the thing. I think... A huge percentage of men are with me here. If you now, I'm not saying if like you live in uh, you know like a condo in the middle of uh, in the middle of Santa Monica that you should walk out in your front yard with cars driving by and pull down your pants and stand there and pee outside. I'm saying if you have a yard, first of all, I'm saving the environment. Do you know how much water I'm saving by not needlessly flushing oh, just because I pee inside? I like to stand outside. I like to gaze up at the stars with my penis in my hand and just pee outside like a man. I don't think that's a weird thing to do. I think it's very common. My dad does it. My kids do it. It's a Travis family tradition. Let's go to Tim and Augusta. What's up, Tim? Hey, good morning, Clay. So as the father of uh, two four-year-old twins, um, I'm, I'm with you on this is rather disturbing, but if, you know, like we typically do or t- typically you go to the tape. So if you look at the uh, Animal Thunder Dome intro, it clearly states, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. So, you know, that kind of alludes to the fact here that, you know, boys and girls can die too, right? Well, that's a good point. It's a good point. By the way, tons of people agreeing with me. Brent Wayne, outdoor peeing is one of the great joys of life. A effing men, Tim Brent Wayne, Brent Wynn. Let's go to Ray in Kentucky. Ray, what's up? You make Tennessee sound magical there, man. <laughs> Thank you. By the way, hold on a sec. Is Ray dying? Ray, how Ray long have you been smoking? Right Ray, have you been smoking for 85 smoking. consecutive years? Ill, that's all. I'm that's afraid all. that you're going to die. I'm not going to die. How old are you, Ray? I'm 50. Don't be mocking I just turned 50, as a matter of fact. All right, so what do you think? Is the is the is too dark of a story, or it's it's well within bounds? No, this is an ESPN identity for some truth. Because you're cute and cuddly. I am pretty cute and cuddly. Thanks for the call. I got to be honest with you. Ray sounds like he's going to die. I thought Ray might die while he's calling in to talk about whether the five year old dying was acceptable or not. And I don't buy. Ray is fifty years old. He's been smoking for sixty five years. Let's go to Tim in Virginia Beach. Tim, what's up? Clay, I gotta be honest, I pee off the porch every morning. Amen. It's a great feeling, isn't it? Absolutely. Let the dogs out at four, might might as well go with them. Yeah, Mike hey, Freshwater. It's cold. 
says, by the way, being outside is not abnormal, especially good when there's a chill in the air. It is nice when the weather's changing, you're standing outside and you're urinating and you're thinking, hey, fall's coming or hey, spring's almost here. It's true. Does the Get wind, a sense of the does world. Does the wind cause splashback though? Uh, no. I mean, you piss in the direction opposite of the wind. Come on. No, you, you, can't, you can't say it. Uh, you can't say that word like that. You pee in the direction opposite of the wind. I think, look, the, the, some of the rules and regulations that we have to deal with here are crazy. Are right, is Tim in Virginia Beach still there? Yes, Clay, it's called Animal Thunderdome. It's not called Johnny's Petting Zoo. Uh, it's true. All right. So, I mean, again, I will we'll look at the poll results. Do I need to put up a new poll about is peeing outside socially acceptable? Because just about yeah, everybody is agreeing with me. Peeing well, I mean, outside not, is one of the great... Uh, it's not socially unacceptable like if you're camping or if you're in yeah. a situation like that. Just the idea of you walking past multiple toilets to go pee no, no. outside. What I usually do, what I usually do is would come home, you know, like you're coming home for the evening, you pull your car in, and then I'm not saying as often that like I walk outside intentionally to pee, although my dad does okay. that. Okay. I'm saying I'm like I pull up in my car, I have to pee, you know, like I've been driving for twenty minutes or whatever it is. And it's night, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I could go inside, I could walk into a bathroom, I could go through that process, or I could just go ahead and pull down my pants and pee right in the backyard here. I just go right okay, in the backyard. Okay, now that's a little different. Yeah, that, that like, makes, I, I was that thinking makes you were leaving sense. your house and like intentionally <laughs> like bypassing multiple toilets in order to go outside and pee. That, that, to me, was a little bit different. Also, the tweet that mentions that this is a great Animal Thunderdome story of a leopard dunking on a child. I don't know how I feel about a leopard dunking on a child. It's not like the child earned this. I mean, the child was five years old, probably had no indoor plumbing. I don't know we need to talk about the leopard as if it's Vince Carter with balls in the face at the, at the Olympics. I think that also, might be a little bit much. The kid was not in a competition with the leopard. When you right. get dunked on... In general, there's an understanding that the game is going on. The kid went outside to pee, like me. Only difference is he was in India and he got killed by a leopard. By the way, just deluged with everybody agreeing with me. Peeing outside is one of the greatest examples of male privilege. Love to pee off the deck. Totally correct. Peeing outside is what makes you a man. I pee outside all the time and people think I'm crazy, but I have a few acres of land, no neighbors. 40-year-old, and I pee outside twice a day. <laughs> twice a day. Every guy pees outside. Yeah, see, you're lucky. You're you're somewhere where there's not all kinds of cars and, and police zooming past. I mean, here in the city, we, we can't do that, you know, because we're yeah. stacked up in apartments. You also could yeah, get arrested, which me. would be tough. Yeah. Uh, nothing better than an outside morning leak before heading to work. I'm an outside pee guy also. Nothing better than a good morning pee. Peeing outside is akin to Second Amendment rights. A penis is a weapon. Told my realtor I didn't want to see any houses that I couldn't comfortably pee outside with no worries at any time. I used to pee off my balcony in college. Uh, that's uh, dangerous. I pee every day outside, Clay. Totally agree. That's the norm in Georgia. I had a peeing tree at my house growing up. Still at 33 when I visit home, I still pee on that tree. So, got to be honest with you. Sounds like I'm the voice of the American public. All right. Uh, we've got, speaking of the voice of the American public, Jeff Schwartz. We'll bring him in. We'll ask him whether or not, having played with the New York Giants, he thinks they are going to trade Odell Beckham Jr. We'll also ask him whether or not he's ever peed outside, and we'll get his opinion on whether or not a child being killed by a leopard is too dark for Animal Thunderdome. All that and more next on Outkick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio.
It's Tupac. This was one of the first places where uh, first albums, first songs that was released after he was killed came out in 96. It's Throwback Thursday. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience as well. Think a train will stop. If it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. What's the update on Jeff Schwartz? Still efforting. Still efforting. Is he scheduled? Is this uh, is this confirmed? You booked him, Jason Martin. This is on you if he doesn't answer. Well, I mean, it's not. I mean, he is booked. He is confirmed. He knows he's supposed to be here. So where do you think he is? Peeing outside? I don't know. <laughs> Is he uh, is he in? Do we know what time zone he's in? I thought he was back, but I think he was on the West Coast yesterday. We'll continue to uh, to effort Jeff Shorts. In the meantime, uh, tracking the biggest stories in the world of sports was Danny G's outkick story on Animal Thunderdome today about a three year old being killed by a leopard. Too sad and too dark for the Animal Thunderdome. Nearly sixty percent of you agreeing with me, fifty nine percent saying yes. Uh, I will say my uh, public confession that I love to pee outside being roundly endorsed everyone saying uh, that that is uh, that is an incredible uh, the the best response so far is I'm peeing outside while you're talking about peeing outside. It is fantastic. Um, several kind of major stories, I would say, hanging around out there today in the world of sports. Obviously, Major League Baseball is coming back today. Opening day tomorrow, we're bringing back John Morosi. He's scheduled to join us in what hour two tomorrow, Jason Martin. He's going to be with us weekly yes. for the baseball fans out there. We have not talked to him, I don't think, since Game Seven between the Dodgers and the Astros, which seems like it happened so long ago. Back in, I think it was early November. Now it seems like a lifetime ago. So Major League Baseball is back. We will talk with him tomorrow. Um, we also are following the Odell Beckham Jr. rumors we talked about and opened the show with that. The targeting rule in the NFL and whether or not that is going to be like college and turn into a messy situation in general. We talked about the fact that Roseanne debuted to 18 million uh, viewers and what shows we'd like to see potentially revamped. We have discussed a leopard killing a five-year-old and whether that was appropriate content for the Animal Thunderdome. And we have discussed... My love for peeing outside, all of that and more. This is what you get when you roll into Outkick the coverage. I will say this. There's a couple of other uh, stories that I thought were interesting. We didn't touch on this that much. I kind of mentioned it. Did you guys see the story about the female cheerleader? Uh, I have to say female now because the Rams have male cheerleaders uh, who was fired for her Instagram post. I also saw where she went on Megyn Kelly. She's kind of making the rounds in general. Um, I don't know if most people know this, but cheerleaders for NFL games make like 50 or or $100 a game, and then they get free tickets. Now, they also have public events they can go to where they get paid to appear, so they can make a little bit of money. But if you are an NFL cheerleader, it's unlikely. Maybe the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders are different. I don't know what they make, but it's unlikely that you're making much more than about five grand a year, which when you factor in all the amount of time you spend doing it is uh, and the restrictions that are put upon you, it's much, It's one of those things that's cooler to say that you have done. And again, I married uh, my wife and she was an NFL cheerleader in, for the Tennessee Titans. 
And like, so I kind of saw this up close and personal. I think people believe that they are treated better than they actually are. Uh, but when you actually break down the treatment, it's, it's, it's honestly kind of, kind of ridiculous. And so when you see these multi-billion dollar companies, it's really, I, I think, an intriguing story that the cheerleaders are paid so little. And there's been a few of these lawsuits that have been filed arguing, hey, these women deserve more money. They're not even being paid minimum wage. Any sympathy at all for this cheerleader who got fired for posting a picture on her Instagram account? I'll start with you, Jason Martin. Does that seem fair or foul to you? seems ridiculous because the reason she has the job is because of how she looks. And if you look at the photos, the photos, it's not like they're nudes. She's not there. It's not much more risque than what she would actually be wearing on the sidelines. This seems to me to be completely an overreach and seems ridiculous. Yeah, I, I agree with you in general. What about you guys in uh, in L.A.? Is there any doubt that this is a bad move by the Saints to make this decision? This is completely foul. They have a bikini calendar for the team Come on now. And Clay, like you, I was in a long relationship with a cheerleader, and I was there while she had to do the tryouts. Yeah. It, it, horrible. The the whole process of it, I felt bad for her. And they had this amped up house song at like 180 beats per minute that the girls had to dance to in the finals. These girls were all working their asses off. So even though most people just sneeze at it like, oh, they just have pretty faces. No, it's actually hard work. And the process of getting to the squad is is some serious business. So they should get paid more. Yeah, it's pretty competitive. I mean, I, I've always thought, I mean, it's very hard to make a squad. I mean, the, you know, there's whatever, 30 cheerleaders for each NFL team. And there are hundreds everywhere who will be trying out to try to make the cheerleading squad. So, yeah, I mean, it's insanely competitive in general. By the way, Greg Tui, who uh, does the producing for uh, Colin Cowherd's show, just said Jeff Schwartz is on the West Coast. He's on the herd today in studio. Oh, this is going to be a major scandal for Jeff Schwartz if he's going to be on Fox Sports Radio with Colin in studio and he can't answer our phone call this morning. Major questions for Jeff Schwartz to have to answer. A lot of lot of drama building on the show, I would say. So Schwartz can do cowherd. We made Jeff Schwartz. The reason Jeff Schwartz gets to do cowherd is because we'd have him on this show, and then Colin was like, oh, this guy Jeff Schwartz is pretty good, and now is he big-timing us? He goes out to L.A. He can make it in for Colin Cowherd in studio on the Fox lot, but he can't answer his phone for us. Oh, this is uh, this is this is major issue. This is major issue indeed. Um, by the way, the other uh, story that I think is starting to get a lot of attention. We were talking about the NFL targeting rule, and I think this is a mess. I think the NFL targeting rule is going to be a mess because it's almost impossible to implement in a way that is consistent. And if you're a college football fan like I am, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It leads to a delay in the speed of the game because they have to go review to see whether or not the targeting foul was accurately applied. It leads to a lot more looking at questionable hits. Should it or should it not have been targeting? It's likely to decide the outcome of many games, frankly, because of how competitive the NFL is. Remember, in college, a lot of times college teams and college games aren't necessarily competitive because there's a big difference between the best teams in college and the worst teams. The best teams in the NFL and the worst teams in the NFL, there's not that much difference. 
it's often still decided by a player two because they're all professionals and there are only 53 men on each 32-man roster, whereas in college you got 85 scholarship athletes. So the difference between an Alabama and, let's say, a Vanderbilt is likely to be seismic. So if you have a questionable targeting call in Alabama-Vanderbilt, it's not likely that it determines the outcome of the game. Or if, let's say, Ohio State is playing against, uh, I don't know, uh, Indiana. Sorry, Indiana fans. I know you've been competitive a little bit with Ohio State, but you always lose close games in the end. That's what Indiana football does. Again, sorry. But it's unlikely that one targeting call in Ohio State-Indiana is going to change the outcome of the game. Whereas I do think it could happen in a big way in the NFL. Also, the NFL meetings, uh, Albert Breer is reporting, there has been a tremendous amount of discussion about how to handle legalized gambling because this is going to come. We talked a little bit about this earlier with John Campbell in hour one on the show. Potentially, uh, you guys know I did the show from Washington, D.C. earlier this year and went to the Supreme Court argument in person my prediction is it's going to New Jersey is going to be allowed to have sports gambling by a 6 to 3 margin. If that happens, it's going to be the biggest change I believe to sports in the last 40 years in conjunction with these two other major changes. One, cable. Cable changed forever sports because it brought so many more of the games to us. I'm one of the last people who's a sports fan and some of you who are around my own age will remember this where you would not be able to see the games that you want to see. Like my kids today find it crazy that they can't watch a sporting event. They just assume that every game that they want to watch is going to be on television. And that's pretty much the case. You can find it somewhere. That wasn't the case when I was growing up. For a lot of you out there, that wasn't the case either. I even remember, this is how I feel like it's kind of a, a real old school story that not nobody who's growing up today will be able to talk about. I even remember having to sit and listen to a game on radio. Literally, the game was not available anywhere on television. You had to sit and listen to a football game on the radio to know what was going to happen. And not listening to a game on radio because you're in your car driving somewhere and you're not in front of a television. I mean, literally, the game was not televised anywhere. Kids today are going to find that idea to be totally absurd that it ever existed. Uh, The other thing, obviously, was fantasy football. I think a big part of why the NFL exploded in popularity was the rise of fantasy football. I think the tide of fantasy football has crested. I hear a lot more people like me that are like, eh, I just don't feel like playing fantasy football anymore. I was into it for years. And now it's just like I don't want the uh, the added responsibility of having to draft a team and update them and everything else. Like the the thrill is gone for me with fantasy football. I'd rather gamble on sports in general. But this, I think now, sports gambling, three biggest changes to the world of sports in my lifetime. One, the rise and proliferation of cable. Two, the internet slash, to me, the biggest part of the internet in the world of sports was fantasy football and its impact and how insanely popular it became. Because if you remember, if you remember what it was like to be playing fantasy football when somebody had to hand tabulate the results, that was a disaster. It was also time consuming. Yahoo introduced an easy concept with its fantasy football leagues where you could watch in real time and everything else. It was the best decision that Yahoo Sports ever made by far. This, I think, sports gambling is going to change everything. I think shows like this are going to explode the advertising revenue that we're going to bring in. If sports gambling becomes legal, you saw what happened with FanDuel and with DraftKings when every commercial there 
for a couple of years ago was a FanDuel or DraftKings commercial. I think that's where we're going to be with legalized sports gambling as every individual state makes a decision about whether or not they're going to allow it, much like, frankly, they did uh, when it came to whether or not, for instance, the lottery is allowed in your state. All right, let me bring in Eddie Garcia. Uh, I guess Jeff Short's just big-timing us today. I don't know what else to say. Uh, Eddie Garcia, what's shaking the world of sports? Well, we'll start with NBA games of note, and the Cavaliers beat the Hornets 118-105. to Cleveland star LeBron James had 41 points. He also tied Michael Jordan's all-time record for consecutive games played with scoring 10 or more points. It's now 866 straight games for LeBron and counting. 76ers beat the Knicks 118-101, to but Philadelphia star Joel Embiid was taken to the hospital for precautionary t- he had a helmet-to-helmet collision with teammate Markel Fultz. He suffered a facial contusion, but apparently no concussion. Celtics over the Jazz in Utah 97-94, while the Clippers beat the Suns 111-99. Clippers have moved one game back of the Jazz for that final playoff spot in the West. Timberwolves get a franchise record 56 points from Carl Anthony Towns in a 126-114 win over the Hawks. This report's brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, the career of Isaiah Thomas continues to be quite a soap opera as the Lakers announced that his season is over. Thomas has gone from NBA uh, MVP candidate with the Celtics to cancer in Cleveland and a role player in L.A., uh, he's going to have a, a procedure to clean up the hip joint. Uh, it's an injury that he's had before, and he's going to be a free agent next season and will face an extended rehabilitation process. Good stuff. Appreciate that. Eddie Garcia, we're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Uh, news also came down yesterday. I don't think we talked about this. Jeff Schwartz. Uh, Jeff Schwartz is not the answer here. Jeff Schwartz is big timing. This is going to be on the cowherd later, not answering our phone call. We don't know what's happened to him. We made him a star, and now he doesn't answer our phone calls. Um, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning uh, turned down ESPN for Monday Night Football a few days ago. And now, I think in the last, what, day and a half or so, news has broken that Peyton Manning is also going to turn down Fox. That means that Fox is going to have to find somebody to put on their Thursday night football broadcast. Who exactly that is going to be remains uh, unclear. But I think this is an intriguing decision by Peyton Manning because I don't know what... If I were Peyton Manning, if I were advising Peyton Manning, who would I point to and say, that should be your role model in the world of sports? I would probably point to Michael Jordan because I think if you look at Michael Jordan, it's a great stat. I know it because I'm writing my book right now. In 2016, Michael Jordan made more money off his shoes than every current NBA player currently in the league playing basketball combined. LeBron James, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, you name all the top players in the NBA. Michael Jordan made more off of his sneakers and sold more of them than all of those current NBA players combined did. Why is that? I think the argument is because Michael Jordan is the last player to virtually have no negatives associated with him. I think Peyton Manning is close to that same level in the NFL. And if you look at Peyton Manning as a corporate pitch man, you look at the success that he has had making himself kind of into an everyman, what could Peyton Manning do to have the same legacy and long-lasting career 
that Michael Jordan has. Jordan obviously is iconic because he was the first guy to do sneakers. I don't know. To me, if I were advising Peyton Manning, I would have said do television. Because I think that keeps Peyton Manning top of mind. I think there are a lot of people out there that know John Madden and know his brand and have almost no idea that he was ever a football coach because the biggest Madden fans, my kids are an example, they love John Madden. We've had Charles Davis on this show. One of the most impressed they've been with people that I know for what I do. I said, yeah, Charles Davis is a friend of mine. The guy who's talking on the Madden video game that you guys are playing all the time. And they were like, you know him? You know the voice on Madden? I was like, yeah. It's it's hard to impress your kids when you're a dad. I mean, that's, that's like let's take that as like a baseline statement. That is insane, the amount of uh, how impressed they were when that happened. If I were advising Peyton Manning, I would tell him two things. I would say, one, you should do television and call games. You should do Thursday night football. Do it because it keeps your brand fresh. It's going to make you viable for the next generation of football fans who may not remember having watched you. Two, figure out a way to get your voice on the Madden video game. Then they are branded forever. We've got Jeff Schwartz now. Let me go ahead and go to break, actually, because we're going to have to take a break quickly otherwise. Schwartz has finally managed to reach out to us. He's been gallivanting around in Hollywood. Who knows what he and Cowherd have been up to. All sorts of shenanigans. I appreciate him waking up and being willing to still come on this lowly show. We'll finish off the show next with Jeff Schwartz. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. We'll see what he thinks about Peyton Manning as well. Should Peyton Manning have taken the gig, what would Schwartz advise him as a former NFL player who's now so big time that he's going to be in studio with Colin later today? I'm Clay Travis. I'll get the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Lauren Hill bringing us back alongside of Nas, who I just thought was dead. I'm glad he's still alive. If you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. You put it in the prompter, I read it. Uh, let's go to Jeff Schwartz. Oh, I appreciate you answering your phone, big timer. <laughs> the scheduling this week has been weird. I've been sitting, I've been awake. I've been writing about this new uh, potential um, targeting rule in the NFL. So I was a little fired up. I didn't even look at my phone. All right. So do you agree with me that it's a potential? You're a college football fan too. You watch a lot of college football. The targeting rule and the amount of time spent on reviews has been a real mess in college football. Do yeah. you agree that it's going to be a similar mess in the NFL, regardless of how they try and implement it? Oh, it's going to be a complete disaster. Look, the NFL took one giant step forward with remedying the catch rule. I think we all agree it needed to be remedied. Now it's back to what we always thought a catch was. And the NFL were great. I mean, it was fantastic. The NFL got great press on this. I think it's a great decision. And then they kind of snuck in this, this, this targeting rule uh, quietly the problem is it stands down to me. It's just it's so broad, and and I know that they're going to try to narrow down the interpretation over time. But I don't really believe that's going to happen. I mean, as it stands right now, any player that initiates contact with their helmet could be could be subject to ejection. Um, so, as an offensive lineman, I'm pulling around the edge. I lower myself because I'm because you know, I'm big. I lower myself for, for leverage. The defender lowers himself too. We we hit helmet to helmet. Happens all the time. Am I now ejected? Is he ejected? Who initiated contact? Can, can that be reviewed? Um, look, we all, we all know and can see when a safety launches himself into a defenseless wide receiver. But there are so many times when a safety aims for the gut of a wide receiver 
he jumps, the wide receiver lowers himself, right, hits him in the head. Like, we, we can kind of tell the difference, I think, between those. Um, and now you're asking the refs to review these plays. People complain already the NFL game is too long, which it's much shorter than college football anyways. But I just I don't understand the point of this rule. Uh, players already get fined. They get suspended at times for these hits, which you can't do in college. That's why they have the rule to eject players. And look, we, we both know this. Half the time in college football, they get it wrong. They still review it and get it wrong. And, and hits are barely egregious enough to draw a penalty, and dudes are being ejected from games. Often captains, you know, safeties, linebackers, you know, players that teams are, are relying on um, to, to help their, their, their team win. So I just I don't like this rule. I think it's a big CYA. I get you know, that we had an unfortunate injury last year with, with Shazier, um, and I get that there is concerns for CTE still. I understand all that. It's, it's real. It's there. Um, but this, I don't feel remedies really any of that. The other thing I was pointing out about this, and we're talking with Jeff Schwartz, is that in college, oftentimes the games aren't that competitive, by which I mean one team is a lot better than another. Correct. So the decision of whether or not to throw a flag for targeting doesn't necessarily impact the overall outcome of the game. In the NFL, the games are so close, these decisions may well end up flipping who wins and who loses. Oh, 100%. Like if, you, if you're playing the Patriots and you have a good safety, and that safety is on Gronk, and that safety gets thrown out of the game, you're losing the game. And look, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I don't believe in a lot of conspiracies. But there are a lot of people who believe in conspiracies. And this is going to lead to a lot of people thinking games are fixed. Um, it's going it's to lead to people thinking that a, a ref is out to get one team or another team. You know, which hit do, do, do they decide to throw out? Um, look, the refs, I think, already have a tough enough job, and they do a good job uh, generally at their job. The game is played so fast, it's played so violently, it's played so quickly that I just think it's, this is a terrible rule to try to implement for the NFL. Um, look, I mean, they're even talking about limiting kickoffs. I, mean, I just think we're, we're heading in a direction where we're going to be flag football in, in 10, 15 years. I mean, it's just, you know, they'll, they'll be talking soon enough about limiting helmets, um, and I, I just, I, I think the game is probably going to forever change if this rule uh, happens to stay in place. All right. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz. A couple of questions for you. Um, one, you know regularly the Animal Thunderdome. We've had some controversy yes. here for people who listen on the podcast. Danny G reported that an Indian kid, a kid from India, was killed by a leopard. And we had a big debate, still ongoing. You can go vote in the poll question. Is a kid victim too young to be featured in the Animal Thunderdome? It's a great question. You, you have a three-year-old. I have a three-year-old. Um, it's interesting. If you would have not even said anything to me about it, I probably would have not even thought about my son, quite honestly. Um, I just would have been like, oh, leopard killed a three-year-old. That's really unfortunate. I feel bad for the kid and for the parents. But now that we've like talked about it, now I'm like, man, that could have been my son. Like That's so... I think it made it worse to like to bring up the controversy that it could be that could be that's probably I, it's probably too young. I mean, can we find another another story about like an adult like getting getting attacked by an animal? Yeah, I agree. I think Danny G blew it. All right, um, other question. I said that I regularly like to pee outside. Um, you know, like if I drive home at night, I've seen your house. You've posted a picture before. You've got yard around you. Are you an outside peer? No, but my son, my son will pee outside. Like he'll be like, I gotta pee. I like, just go to the drain over there. I'm too, <laughs> I'm too, I'm too big to like just pee in my front yard. <laughs> like, 
I'm too visible. Like I, peeing outside to me is like one of the joys of being a, a male. Like it's very just freeing. You just like, oh, you just go. It's fantastic. I don't do it in my house because I'm too large and everyone can see me. Um, you might have a better, a better, higher fence than I do. Um, but I, I, it's a, it's a great feeling. It really is. Um, we just had a trucker who felt the need to email me, and he said, "I'm an over the road trucker. I've peed outside in all 48 can- continental states." <laughs> Alaska, Canada, and Mexico too. <laughs> uh, so uh, that is uh, the, the the peeing outside contingent of the male. I think we're basically saving the planet because we're saving all the water, which is such a, a huge resource now uh, that uh, that all men should pee outside if you have a yard. Um, Peyton Manning has turned down Thursday night football. If you were advising Peyton Manning on behalf of his brand, is it the good decision to do Thursday night football given the fact that he's retired now? and people will forget about him, potentially, if he's not involved in football, given how much he wants to advertise and everything else, would you advise him that it makes sense to uh, continue as a uh, to, to be a football announcer? Well, I'm going to Fox Sports today. I, I, might, I might make my pitch. You might be able to get the gig. The pain's out of that. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I think eventually people are going to stop asking him because he's saying no i don't know what job you the thursday night job is if you have a family and you know this is like a great gig because you, you know you'll go in the middle of the week when your kids are in school and then you're home to, for the weekends when they're out of school when they're doing like activities and stuff it's like a dream job for anyone who has kids because you know part of calling games is you're gone every weekend for 17 weeks it's, it's a tough it's a tough thing to do um and who, who have they said who's going who's to be the play-by-play guy yet? No, I don't think uh, you can ask questions on the Fox a lot today when you're big time in it with Cowherd. But I don't think they've officially decided who they they floated the idea. At least it got out that Mike Tirico might be loaned from NBC and be paired yeah. with Peyton Manning. I think the league liked the idea of Peyton Manning doing it, and there's right. been rumors of guys who could be involved: Jason yeah, Witten, Greg Olson. I think Joe Thomas, who just retired. Uh, yeah. as guys who are uh, potentially former players who could be paired with the host. But I, I don't think they know uh, exactly who's going to be calling this game. I just, I, yeah, I mean, look, eventually I think I think network's going to stop asking him to, to help, I mean, to, to do this. He's turned down a couple now. I just don't know what he's waiting for. I mean, I guess if, if he doesn't want to do this, he should just say, I'm not going to do it, obviously. Um, I know Joe Thomas has auditioned at Fox. Um, I don't know if it's for that role. Um, but, um, you know, I can... I think that's a great gig. I mean, it's a, it's obviously national. It's a national game. Uh, you know, maybe look, just maybe he doesn't want to do it, right? I mean, maybe you know Tony Romo did so well last year that that maybe he thinks, oh yeah, I, I mock that guy. I don't want to be a, a guy who calls games. I want to. Maybe he wants to own a team. Maybe he wants to run for office eventually. Uh, maybe that's not what he wants to do. But I think your point is accurate that eventually people are going to stop asking about Peyton Manning to do these jobs. And also, you know, the, the commercials are going to dry out probably. You know, Papa John's now is no longer a sponsor and he's no longer uh, affiliated with them as well. So those commercials are gone. Um, and yeah, he's, I think I agree with you. I think that t- over time people will forget what type of uh, brand he was, by the way, did you see him ranked as a third? Um, yeah, I saw that stupid list. I'm not even going to give ESPN Tom, credit Tom, for it quickly, <laughs> quickly. Do, on that list. do you Sorry. think that Odell Beckham jr. Will get traded? You only got 30 seconds. Yes, because there's too much smoke now for this not to be true. So I think he's going to be traded. I don't, they're not going to get two first. Um, I think the Rams will probably give him their 23rd and maybe a pick next year for Odell. So you like, we talked about that earlier in the show. You think potentially the Rams were 23. Is that a good trade for the Rams? 
Yes, I think there's only a couple teams in the NFL that I would even suggest trading a first-round pick to get Odell and the Rams because they have a quarterback, a left tackle. All right, we're out. Your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying, flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!